Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, good evening. Tonight I'm very excited to begin our new series called Revive, and this series is it's all about revival. And the title of this first message is, What is Revival? What is Revival? So if you have a Bible tonight, can you please turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. And this is a subject that's so close to my heart, something that God stirred within my heart and captivated my heart at a young age. So 2 Chronicles 7 and verse 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, then I will forgive their sin, and then I will heal their land. So this week we are beginning our new series which is called What is Revival Tonight? That is the message tonight. What is Revival? In this new series called Revive, which is all about revival. And you know, everybody from Nehemiah and Ezra to Charles Spurgeon and Billy Graham, they've talked about revival. But what is it? Well, Martin Lloyd-Jones said that we can define it as a period of unusual blessing and activity in the life of the Christian church. In other words, revival is an awakening. It's a revitalization. It's a return to a former glory. Basically, it's a return to our first love of Jesus. Now, where does revival take place? Well, revival happens primarily in the church of God, and it, it happens amongst believers. You, may, you know, many people think that revival is for, for non-Christians, for those who don't know Jesus. But revival doesn't have, a, have an effect on non-Christians. But revival is primarily for the people of God. And, and I believe this, this is an important point for us because this definition helps us to differentiate once and for all between a revival and an evangelistic campaign. You know, an evangelistic campaign or a conference or a crusade is it's the church deciding to do something to reach non-Christians with the good news and love of Jesus. But that's not a revival. A revival is not the church deciding to do something and doing it. A revival is something that is done to the church, something that happens to the church, to the people of God. So then, what, what is it that, that, that happens? Well, I believe that the best way to answer this question is to is to say that basically a revival is sort of a repetition of what happened on the day of Pentecost. It's something happening to the church, that inevitability that, that makes us to, to think again, to look back to God again and, and, and to hunger again, just as it happened in Acts chapter 2 where with 120 believers, they were up in the upper room and they were praying, they were seeking God, they were hiding in that upper room because they were afraid. Of, of persecution because they had been followers of Jesus and, and Jesus had now gone, he had ascended into heaven. But but this group of people, they were there in that upper room and they were holding on to the promise of God that, that Jesus said, wait up in that room and wait until you've been filled with power from on high. And we know the story that when they were waiting in that upper room, that God came, he poured out his spirit. There was a sound of the rushing of wind. They appeared upon their heads, tongues like fire, the Bible says. And, you know, God moved. He moved in, in such a powerful and mighty way. And, you know, that's the essence of, of what revival is. Revival is when the Holy Spirit comes down upon a number of people, upon 
just it could be one individual, but you know, it's a, it, when God comes down upon a person or a group of people, it could be upon a whole church, it could be on a number of churches or or a community or perhaps a whole country, and that is what revival is. That's what is meant by revival: is God coming down by His Spirit. It's a visitation of the Holy Spirit, or another term that's often used: it's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And and people become conscious uh, uh, conscious of this, and they realize that that God is in their midst. That something different is happening. They're not just attending church or or doing church or going through the same old things, but actually the they're aware now the the presence of God, the very tangible presence of God, is there amongst them. You know that's what Isaiah cried out. He cried out to God for that very thing in Isaiah chapter sixty four verse one. He said, that, "Oh, would you rend the heavens?" And come down, that the mountains might tremble before you. It's the Spirit of God descending into our midst, into their midst. It's knowing that God has come amongst us, a baptism, an outpouring, a visitation. I know the effect of that is is immediate. As I said, people become aware of his presence, but they also become aware of his power in a way that they've never known before. They see God's power at work like they've never seen before, that they've only heard of or read about in times gone by, read about in the Bible or in, in, in the history of the church. And, you know, what's amazing about all of this is that this takes place amongst Christians. This happens amongst believers, church members. Church members, believers who gathered together so many times, who have come together to sing his praises, who've heard countless messages of Jesus and, and the Bible. They've heard this time and time again, but yet all of a sudden, something different happens. This isn't a man-led meeting. This is God moving by his spirit. They, people become aware of the majesty and the awesomeness of God. There's an awe of God. And in those meetings, in those occasions, when God is pouring out his spirit, when there is a revival, the Holy Spirit, he's presiding over everything. The Holy Spirit is in charge. He's manifesting his power. He's guiding. He's leading. He's directing the people. He is in control. And that is the essence of revival. So, so what does all that mean? What, what, what's the effects of that? What are the characteristics of revival? You know, because many people claim that a revival is taking place, but actually we can see that it's just something that's man-made. There's some crazy things that go on where people claim that it's a revival. So what, what are some of the characteristics that you find in every true revival in history. What are true some of those characteristics? And, and tonight we're just going to look at two characteristics of that. And these are going to lead into our next message next time. But, but tonight we're going to look at two characteristics. And the first characteristic of every revival, something that happens in every revival, is that there's this immediate effect that all who are there, all people who are present, they become aware of the spiritual things like they never have before. In other words, there's a new awareness to spiritual things. You know, these people might have heard about all these things before. They might have heard about it and, and heard other people testifying about it. But all of a sudden, it becomes a reality to them. It's like the light is switched on. All of a sudden, these things no longer are just truths or, or, th or facts that they've heard about. These are a reality for them and for the people of God in that place all of a sudden, a light comes on and they see God in a new way. They, they hear his voice in a new way. They hear his leading in a new way. The Holy Spirit comes and he enlightens the mind and, and the understanding. I know these things, they, 
they they might not understand them all completely to start off with, but they see them a lot clearly and they begin to feel the power of God at work. And what are some of these things that they become aware of, that we can become aware of in a revival? Well, the first thing that we can become aware of, the, the new sense of awareness, is that there's a new sense of awareness of the glory and holiness of our God. You know, I wonder, have you ever noticed as you read your Bibles the, the effect on these people as they suddenly realised that they were in the presence of God? Some people just come into his presence and all of a sudden there's this incredible impact that it has of coming into his holy presence. Like Job, you know, Job says that they put their ha hands on his mouth. He was in shock, he was in awe. Or like Isaiah, when he came into the presence of the Holy God, of our Holy God, he said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. In other words, they've just had a realisation of the holiness and of the majesty and the glory of God. They realise what we are. We realise what we are. As the Bible says, we're all sinners. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. God is holy. God is perfect. And when we come into his presence, when God comes and he moves by his spirit, we're aware of that. We're aware that we are nothing without him. That he is holy and perfect and we are messed up and there's nothing we could do to make ourselves right apart from Jesus. You know, that always happens in revival. You know, there can be a lot of laughing that takes place. There's a lot of joy, obviously. You know, and, and, and uh, there's a lot of these things and these characteristics in if, especially in evangelistic campaigns, you know, there's fun, there's freedom, there's life, there's music, there's worship, there's praising and all that. But there's, there's not as much as that in revival. Instead, in revival, what we see that there's this new awe, there's a reverence, there's this holy fear, the consciousness of God in his majesty, his glory, his holiness, his utter purity. And that, as we have seen, as I've said, it leads to that that inevitability to a, a deep and terrible sense of our sin. All of a sudden, when we see how perfect he is, there's this awful feeling of, get, of guilt. And, you know, it leads men and women, leads us to feel that we are vile, that we're unclean, that we're unworthy. And as I said, that we people become aware that we're utterly worthless if it wasn't from God. You know, there's always a cry that rises up within revival, and that cry is, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, there's this awesome realisation of the holiness of God and our wretchedness. I you know there's nothing we could ever do to make ourselves right with God. I you know before maybe we thought we were okay, we were doing okay with God, we, we were fine, we, we were reading the Bible, we turned up to church and all these things, but that doesn't matter. We realise that all of our works are like filthy rags before a holy God, just like the Apostle Paul said. When we come into his presence, we realise how helpless we are and how hopeless we are. That's why we see so many times in revival, people crying, people on the floor, hiding under their chairs, they just aware of God's holy presence. But also, what's incredible is that although we might see our unworthiness and we become aware of our sin and our mess-ups, what's incredible is that people don't end up running away from God. We actually run to God in revival. God draws us to himself. Why? Because we serve a loving merciful and compassionate God yes he wants us to realize that, that we're in his holy presence but also we need to realize that he is also a holy God and he is the one who's made a way possible to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us and so I want to encourage us as we pray and cry out for revival don't 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 stop seeking it just because you're afraid but actually let's say God we need you 
we're desperate for you and let's thank him that we serve a, such a loving and merciful and compassionate God. So that's the first thing that happens. That's the first thing that we become aware of in, this new, uh, in having this new sense of awareness of holy things. The second characteristic of every revival is that there is a convicting work of the Holy Spirit who begins to take charge of the situation. In other words, the Holy Spirit begins to lead and he begins to convict and he begins to move in people's heart and you know if you read revivals it's amazing some people are actually held in that state of conviction not only for a few minutes or a few hours but actually sometimes for days and weeks and these people become so desperate and then they are given a clear view of the love of God and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and and especially they have this new revelation of what Jesus has done for us on the on the cross his death for us on the cross and then at last they see it you know, it might have just been theory for so many years, but it becomes a reality for for them and it can become a reality for us. We might have heard the message of Jesus' death and his resurrection and read about his love for us and him going to the cross for us so many times. We might have heard that message so many times, but all of a sudden when God moves by his spirit, his spirit makes that alive to us and we realize this is real for me, not just for that person next to me, not for just my loved ones, it's real for me. You know, we might have viewed it and believed it for so many years. And yes, it's true. But yet, we might never have felt this power. And those people might never have felt this power in revival. But all of a sudden, they feel it. All of a sudden, they become melted by God's grace and by His mercy and His love. They become overwhelmed. I know they begin to sense with that, sense, weep with that sense of unworthiness. And then also begin to weep with joy full of love, realizing of his love for us and that joy. And you know, that verse begins to take on a very different meaning, that famous verse that we're all aware of, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever, the whoever believes in him, doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Suddenly, in revival, that truth becomes real. When God revives our hearts, not just to meet them, when he revives our hearts, this truth becomes real to us and it became real to those who have experienced revival in the past. They, they realise that Jesus, the Son of God, has given himself for us because he loved us so much. And so, you know, as we come to a conclusion this evening, you know, next time we're going to look at it, the next message we're going to look at is going to be the focus of revival and that kind of links into the end of this message but you know this evening as we do come towards a conclusion you know I pray that we leave you not only having a clear understanding of what revival is and some of the effects of revival but I wonder as we view these things and hear about what revival is I wonder do we still long for it to happen do we still long for God to move and come by his power and to him to work in that way or are we happy with the way things are are we happy with how we run church? And we don't want any interruption with this. We just, we're happy with how things are and how church is. And we want to be in control and we want to lead our ministry and we want to do this, we want to do that. You know, I want to encourage us tonight. We need revival. At the start of this first message, we need revival more than ever. For the sake of our loved ones, for the sake of our nation. But we need revival. We need God to come down in his power and his might. And amongst us is the church. The church needs him more than ever. 
The church has gone wayward so often. It's wandered off track. We need God again to move in his power. The world needs to see. They don't need to hear a new definition of revival. They need to see a new demonstration of his love, of his mercy, of his grace. We need God to come and move and pour out his spirit. And so I want to encourage us at the end of this first message in this series. I want to remind us that the revival starts with me. It starts with you. You know, we can pray for it and believe for it in other people's lives, but it starts with us. You know, as it says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, that, that verse which is going to be central to this series and the verse that we opened here tonight. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, the Lord says. Then I will forgive their sin. Then I will heal their land. Revival it starts with me. It starts with you. And so over these next few weeks, I want to encourage us to begin to seek the Lord and start asking the Lord to revive us, to revive me. Why? Because we're in desperate need for it. And not only that, this world needs to see Jesus again. You know, Jesus is coming back again very soon. And he's coming back for a pure, spotless bride, not a weak church. He's coming back for a perfect church, a church that is in love with him, a church that's full of his spirit and, and living for, on mission for him. So I want to encourage us. That's the cry of my heart. And I believe it's the cry that we need to raise up in this time. Lord, revive us. Would you rend the heavens? Would you come down? And why? What for? For the glory of his name. Not so that our church would be lifted up or that individuals would be lifted up. That Jesus would be lifted up. And many would come to know him. So that's the first message in our series. Revive. What is revival? That's what we've looked at tonight. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive more and more into what revival is. And we're going to look at some famous history, some famous revivals from the past. Uh, and we're going to believe for it again as a church. But let's pray and seek for the Lord again and ask him to move and revive us again. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.